Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Geoff Lacey. And I'm Claire Venice. We're having a drink. And a bit of a giggle in this week's Peapod. Peapod. If you love Petersfield, I love the square, the hangers, the open air swimming pool, lots of fun shops, then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey. Thank you for joining us. This week we've come to East Meon where we'll find out more about the village's history and enjoy some refreshments at the Isaac Walton pub. We'll also bring you a chuckle or two from Hampshire-based comedian James Alderson who will be coming to a village hall near you very soon. John Walker has your weekly Petersfield news and Susie finds herself in a maze field in her wild walk. And we end this week's Peapod with a song called No Picks from local artist Wheeler. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Peapod. Hello, Claire. Morning, How are you? Jeff. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Now we're recording once again on a Saturday morning. It's a it's a nice summer's morning, but you've got your jumper on. Well, there's a bit of a chilly breeze. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm in my shorts. There is. You know? Yeah, but you put that... your shorts on in February. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your week been? It's been good, thank Has you. It? Yeah, yeah, busy again, but, you know, it's June. <laughs> <laughs> you always seem a bit frazzled when we send each other a message on a, <laughs> during June. <laughs> it's juggling so much stuff at the moment, particularly for the kids. They all need a personal assistant, I think. But <laughs> this morning, sent the middle daughter, Nina, 15-year-old, off on her silver Duke of Edinburgh way. Right. Um, in fact, it's an extended Duke of Edinburgh um, that's been set up with Hampshire Outdoors. So usually a silver Duke of Edinburgh involves a three-day walk, two nights overstaying. Right. And before that, they're supposed to do a two-day practice walk with a one-night overstay. Okay. But they've combined the two. So instead of a practice, they've actually combined the practice and the expedition in one. And they're going to be walking 100 kilometres. Wow. Yes. In how many days? Five days. So shouldn't she be at school Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? It's a a school set thing, so, you know. (sighs) Education, where's it going? (laughs) It's going to be quite a challenge. There was about 50 or so pupils going off this morning at various different times with backpacks and all sorts, so yeah, lots of food. Because I did my extended walk, oh, crikey, in beginning of May, didn't I? And it was um, about 38 kilometres, I think, 24 miles. And I, was, I couldn't walk, walk for days to do another, to do another 62 kilometres. No, yeah. it's not going to happen. It's a big ask. And actually, Monday is their big long walk they're doing 26 kilometers that day right and oh. it's the south downs way so it's not straight oh crikey no <laughs> it's up and it's, down it's, up and down well the elevation from when we walk from amberley to Bereton, the total elevation over the um total 24 miles was about three three thousand two hundred feet yeah you know that's that's hell of a lot so, but, yeah. uh, good luck, guys. <laughs> so, Claire, where are we today? We're outside the gorgeous Isaac Walton pub, right in the middle of East Meon. It's a lovely sunny morning. We've got a cup of tea. We've been well looked after. We are, and uh, we're, we're outside. We're by the by the river. Um, we're gonna. You're gonna hear village life as it goes on. Uh, we've got some young lads. Looks like they're on the Duke of Edinburgh walk themselves. Oh, look yeah, at they that. do. I think that's the bronze. All oh, right. They look a bit tired. So, Claire, when was the last time you came to the Isaac Walton? It was, well, it was a while ago, which is awful, really, considering I live in a village very nearby. You're only about two miles away, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, we are. Cycling distance home. <laughs> it's, it's really nice, actually. I'm looking forward to talking to, to owners Nicola and David because they're new owners. Yes. So um, 
be good to hear what's going on here and, and maybe I'll come back more, more frequently, Joff. Well, how, how about yeah. you? Well, I used to play, well, I used to play football for East Mead, crikey, 30 years ago, 28 years ago. So we used to play on a Sunday and we'd always come back to the Isaac Walton for a couple of pints. I remember at the time it was Caffrey's was my drink of choice. Lovely. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, we played one game of football and I was sub uh, because not the fittest, not the greatest footballer, but I went along, did a bit of linesman and... Um, yeah, someone got injured really early doors, so I had to go on. My big moment. <laughs> By the middle of the second half, they were concerned for my health, so I got substituted. <laughs> oh, <Jeff. laughs> I'm sorry. That, that quick burst. I was I was good over two yards, but anything over that, it was um, it was no go. Did you enjoy it? I did actually. Yes, it was always good. It was great, great camaraderie, you know. And it was always great to come back to this pub, uh, the Isaac Walton, and have a couple of drinks. So, yes. Now, talking of football, mm. we were at the Town Juniors Six Aside last week mm-hmm. and we met young Jack. And he'd, um, they'd had three games, hadn't they? And not won a single game. He was a bit low. He was wasn't a bit he? low. So, um, but I found out that um, they'd improved. They went into the plate competition and got through to the semi final. Oh. So he Great. was chuffed bits and wanted wanted me to know. So I've I've shared that. Oh, that's brilliant! Well, congratulations, Jack and your team. I'm so pleased because yes. he was feeling a bit. You could see he was down. <laughs> yeah. That's a great that's a great result. So Claire, when was the last time you went to the theatre? It was over Easter holidays. All oh, right, I'm actually going to the theatre this week. When was the last time you you went to the theatre? I, uh, uh, oh, crikey, since A levels. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what are Not, you going to see this, this week? We are going to go and see The Unfriend. So it was written by Stephen Moffat. It's directed by Mark Gattis, making his direct theatre directorial. 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 <laughs> He's making his debut as a theatre director. <laughs> I'll keep that in him. <laughs> and uh, Reese Shearsmith. So both of um, League of Gentlemen fame, Sherlock. Doctor Who, that type of thing. Mm. And I've heard reports that someone I know went last couple of weeks ago and they were laughing within the first three lines. So is this in Chichester? It's, it's in Chichester, Chichester so going along yeah. to Chichester Festival Theatre, cannot wait. What, what, what brought this on then? What well, we, we urged to go back to the theatre? Um, who was in it, actually? We, yeah. we, we like Reese Shearsmith, we like Mark Gattis. It was due to be on March 2020 and we missed out because we, we didn't realise till too late. Um, but then it was cancelled due to COVID. It's now on. Saw it in plenty of time. Pick of the slots to go and watch it. So we're going this Thursday. Oh, okay. So, well, I look forward to hearing yeah, what you wait. think of it. Stephen Moffat, yeah, he's he's a great author. That'll be that'll be good fun, Joff. Hopefully. So I wanted to ask you. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago mm. that you were trying to get a passport <laughs> for your son Theo, yes. and he needed to have an interview. Yes, has that happened? No. Okay. Um, we weren't allowed to chase. But I did chase this week and hot off the press. I haven't even told Theo this yet. Um, I've received an email this morning. No longer needed to have an interview. So we've waited three weeks. No longer needed. Passport should be with us within 10 days. So what, why did they want an interview then? I think when you get over 16 and it's your first passport, they just want to check who you are, that type of thing. So that's what I assume because Pepe had one the same okay um, and he actually forgot who'd um who i'd got to agree the uh, author you know you have to authorize get someone to say that's a true likeness mm. i'd forgot to tell him who'd done it for him 
<laughs> so he was he was asked <laughs> who verified you he said could have been <laughs> you reeled off 10 names <laughs> did he pass he passed okay, yes good. so yes yeah, so great news we don't have to go down to Portsmouth for an interview and we should have the passport but it's we started the process may the 9th so it's going to be nearly eight weeks mm. which seems a very long time that's well, good job you haven't booked anything you know <laughs> yeah. urgent to go away job Good news, good news though, well done. As you know, we love to hear from you, so if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hello, please do get in touch. You can call or WhatsApp us on 01730 555 500 or send an email to team at shineradio.uk. Coming up, we speak to the owners of the Isaac Walton pub, David and Nicola Lucas. But first, let's find out what's been going on in the Petersphere from the Petersfield Post's John Walker. Hello John, how are you? Very well, mate. It's a sunny day. Sat in yet another beer garden with you. It's fantastic, to be fair. So, John, how's life treating you? Yeah, it's not too bad, thanks. My son came home for the weekend and went again this morning. He's all good. Um, yeah, it's, it's not not bad. Not bad at all, thank you, Geoff. And you? I'm very well, John. Very well. Enjoying the sun like yourself. So, John, I'm going to start with a little story, uh, something that happened to me over the weekend. I was driving out to East Main to uh, record this week's Peapod, actually. And uh, as I left East Main, I felt a noise in the car, and I saw that I had a puncher. And I know, driving out to East Main, I got forced into a couple of potholes. This has now cost me £120. Will we ever see these potholes filled in? Well, firstly, Geoff, anybody who goes to East Main deserves all they got in, get in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lovely place. I believe you went to visited the Isaac Walton. We did. It was before opening hours, so um, only a cup of tea was drunk. How you can lie like that, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the Isaac Walton. A very nice pub. Free plug there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, potholes. What, what can we say? I mean, the roads in Petersfield and the roads obviously out to East Mid are just getting worse and worse. They patch them, they go, they reappear. I don't think, no, is the answer. You're not going to see an end to this in any any sense. And sooner or later, somebody, there'll be a collapse in the road somewhere and somebody will get hurt. You could say that about College Street, Dragon Street, by the traffic lights. People are swerving all the time to avoid the potholes there. Well, they were the very potholes I had in mind, Joff, when you mentioned it. But there's some more around the square at the top end outside Nero's there. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Is it because they did the, they, when they, built the road, it changed the road, they wanted something different, so they put the brickwork in rather than tarmac, so it's harder to replace? Uh, if anything, it would be easier to replace, because you've only got to take up the ones that have sunk, as opposed to tarmacking sections of the road. But, again, it's the, uh, it's the cost, and the councils don't have the money, or say they don't have the money. They're too busy doing surveys that's cost them money to say that they haven't got any money. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... I think, uh, as we've said, or has been said by people of greater intelligence than us, the world is changing, and I think the world is changing. You, you know, roads are going to be allowed to go to to become virtually undrivable before anything's done about them, especially roads in towns like Petersfield or lanes like the roads out to East Me and Obviously, the A roads, motorways, are going to be kept up together because of the high usage of traffic and the importance to getting stuff around the country that these roads provide but I, I genuinely think that 
say, town roads like Petersfield and lanes around places like Eastmere. If you can still drive along them, then they're not going to do anything serious to them. Uh, moving swiftly on, it's great to see that a lot of the verges around my Torway have now been cut back. But as we discussed a few weeks ago, and we, we knew this would happen, the cuttings have been left, thus preventing the new grass from coming through. Yeah, and it's not all of them have been cut. It's, um, I spoke to the council, East Hampshire District Council, about this last week, and they say they mow on a cycle, which is understandable. You know, you, you do a road on a Monday, first Monday of the month, and then you come back and do it again on the first Monday of two months' time, or whenever it is your, your period is. So they say they are picking up on their cycle and getting back to it, but, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't mind it, to be honest. I, it does look a bit untidy, but actually I quite like it, so I'm not that fussed, to be honest. And anything else caught your eye? Well, there's a couple of things. Apparently the East Hampshire District Council are going to make some sort of announcement over the next, over the coming week regarding the wheelie bins and uh, the fact that their contract with uh, Norsk South East to empty the wheelie bins isn't going quite as it should do. And I'm assured by the council that they're going to make a very important announcement this week. Very possibly you've got to empty your own wheelie bins in future, I don't know. But um, So we should wait for that with bated breath, or not, as the case may be. And, um, yeah, that they also say, the same council, East Hampshire District Council, say that Petersfield Pe- Cemetery is now virtually full. They've got ten places left, and uh, they do... There's about 10 burials a year up there, so in a, in a year's time, Petersfield Cemetery will be full. They do have plans to turn another little bit of land that they found up there from being a store for the mini digger and other bits and pieces of equipment that they use to dig, dig the graves. They're going to tidy that up and put another um, 50 spaces in there, apparently. But um, that only lasts for five years, gives them six years in total. But also, apparently, there's a huge electric cable that goes right through the middle of it. So the electricity board have said, of course you can dig it all up and and bury people there, but first you've got to move this cable. So we shall see how that one pans out. But uh, the council tells me they haven't got plans to look at anywhere else to buy at the moment to open a new cemetery in Petersfield. So it may well be that uh, when people die, they end up going to Westliss or Whitehill or... Horndean or wherever for the foreseeable future. Well, I imagine once that starts happening, it'll continue happening. And uh, that'll be that for people in Petersfield. And anything light-hearted to finish with, John? Well, yeah. There was the uh, Petersfield Town Juniors football tournament last, last weekend. 300 teams of six youngsters. I think they probably had seven or eight, maybe even ten in a squad. So, you know, that's getting on for two, two and a half thousand kids down there two-day tournament there was uh from i think it was under sevens up to under 16s both boys and girls and uh, it was fantastic I mean, it was really great to see all these youngsters down there actually enjoying playing football obviously there were tears from some of the young people when their teams got beaten but overall i think it was a it was a fantastic event very well organized and um petersfield town juniors deserve all the praise that uh, they get for, for organising it. Fantastic effort. Brilliant, John. You have a lovely week, and I'll see you next weekend. Indeed, Geoff. I'll see you next weekend if your car's still running.
Uh, the Peaceful Post is out every Wednesday and costs a nice round pound. And it's worth every single penny, as I was in there again this week. So please get one with your weekly shot or subscribe to the digital version. The Isaac Walton is a family-run country pub in the heart of East Meon Village. Once known as the New Inn, the pub is one of two in the village, the other being the Old George Inn. The Isaac Walton now boasts home-cooked food, a wide range of beers, a garden, children's play area and is dog-friendly. There's also a recently opened daily cafe, popular with the many cyclists who come by here. Owners of this classic English pub, Nicola and David Lucas, join us now. Good Hello. morning to you both. Good How morning. are you? Uh, welcome to the Isaac Walton. It's lovely to see you here today. Well, thank you for hosting us. It is, it's been a lovely spot. Stood out here for an hour or so on a Saturday morning, watching village, village life happen. There <laughs> is village life. This is a living village with a lot of life in it. And as you will hear from the large tractors going by, there's a lot of agriculture and business around here as well. So you are recent owners of the Isaac Walton pub. How long have you been here? Since October last year. And how have you found it? It's fantastic. We've really enjoyed getting to know the people in the village and feeling welcomed into the heart of the village because this is a village pub. Very much, Ben. Lots of good local support. What made you want to run the Isaac Walton pub? It's a fantastic pub. We felt that it had great potential, especially to open up as a cafe during the daytime. We love the structure and the windows and, and all the good things about it, but also the location and the, and the strong village sense of you know, being a village pub, a proper mm. village pub. Yes. So is this the first pub you've ever run? Yes, it is. Mm. <laughs> and what made you go into this this way of living? We, we felt, I've often I've felt for a long time, that country pubs do not diversify enough and they're not uh, extending their offering to other areas aside from sort of beer in the evenings. So we were looking for a pub weren't we, that would be attractive in the daytime for people that don't want to drink. They want a coffee and a lovely cup of tea or a slice of cake. It was yeah, bonkers that you couldn't have a cup of tea or a slice of cake at 11am or 3pm in the village. you come here and everything was closed. That made no sense. And that's the same in many villages. So we felt that uh, there's scope to yeah. change that. And you've opened a cafe. It's very yes, nice too. Yes. We've, we've, uh, we've had tea. Yes. <laughs> we have freshly ground coffee and our chef makes fresh uh, cakes every day. We always have Victoria sponge on and then... And exciting other things. Bakewell tart's personal favourite, yes, but coffee and walnut. And, che and cherry and there. coconut as well. Mm. So we're different cakes available every day. We've noticed actually there were a number of cyclists that came by whilst we were in the midst of recording who did enjoy some coffee and some cakes. Yes. Is that obviously a popular thing here now? Our walkers and cyclists are, are finding out about us, yes. Caffeine and carbs or, or a retreat from bad weather. Yes. <laughs> we have a large garden at the back as well so they can spread out. If a group come mm. in, they can spread their bikes out. So what are the new opening hours? All right, well, we're open from 10am every single day, Monday to Sunday all the way through the week uh, we just have slightly different closing hours each evening but 10am straight through all day every day. You really are at the heart of the village here aren't you? You're right in the hub right in the middle of it. What's the community been like? Have they been welcoming to you? Very much so I mean so many people to meet but so much great support um, and a lot of enthusiasm I think for what we're doing with the pub. Yes, and you, we, you become a part of a wonderful network. We have uh, local tradesmen who will pop in and help us out when we need things done or recommend other people, and increasingly local suppliers. Uh, so so we, you, when you 
own a village pub, you are an important part of the village network. So it's been really interesting. And do you do a traditional Sunday lunch as well? Oh, yes. We do, absolutely. <laughs> we have race lunch. Tomorrow it's a Sunday race. It's beef or lamb, but we also do vegan race as well and cauliflower cheese race. So there's something for everyone. And gluten-free things as much as oh, we can Oh, gluten, gluten-free, yes. So have you always been in the area or are you new to the area as well? We've been in the area for about 13, 14 years. We used to live in Strood. Um, but before that, London. It sounds like you have some exciting plans for this pub afoot. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, my, my decoration plans continue. And uh, so we're changing the inside of the pub quite a lot. We've brought in some sofas and some new relaxing tables and chairs. There's things people don't see, like some upgrades to the cellar kit, which I think hopefully we have a reputation for serving good beer and we're looking to keep that. I see that you've got a nice range of real ales, including local ones from Cheriton. We're very keen Cheriton and also Droxford. I mean, um, the Flatpots and, and, and Bowman's. Um, beloved local beers, which only the independent pubs can stock. And is that something very important to you then, to have local produce here? Yes. I, why wouldn't you? It, it's... Yes, we didn't want a Tide pub because yeah. we want to be able to stock yeah. local yeah. Uh, ales. Yeah. And... And it's, it's great working with local suppliers. I mean, you know, if, if I run out, of, run out of beer, then you know, they'll drop one off on the way home. It, it, it's <laughs> <Yes>. very helpful. <laughs> And what, what's your, your long-term plans for the pub? Well, we're increasingly um, encouraging people to come and work from pub. If you work from home and you get a bit bored, you want a bit of a change of atmosphere, we've got plugs at all the tables and now we're open from 10am. Uh, also to do more events, we're going to be starting a supper club every few weeks with a wonderful cook who cooks for a local delicatessen. And uh, she's going to, be, and we're going to be pairing wines. David's going to be pairing wines with each course. And there's other great local uh, community events like the pop-up choir, which is coming once a month and, and makes some noise. It, 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 it's great fun. We have two cricket clubs. Yeah, Isaac Lions. One, yes, one for the pub for, and one for the, for the fixed, village. Uh, fixed over Thursday things. So great fun. Plus yes, the village so village I club. Think, yeah, I think our long-term plans are to increase the events that we actually do here in the pub and increase outreach by uh, extending our mailing list. Well, it's been lovely chatting to you both to find out more about the Isaac Walton. Thank you very much for hosting us. It's been, we've been, we've felt very welcoming. Well, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you thank very, very much. much. The P stands for Petersfield. It's a lovely area, lovely people, lovely atmosphere. The Peapod. Susie sits among the sweet corn and then discovers a massive fallen oak in this week's Wild Walk. I'm crouched down in the middle of a maize crop um, because it's a bit windy, but I wanted you to hear the sort of clacking of the leaves because I just felt a bit frightened and then I realised I was being ridiculous and I was thinking it was Day of the Triffids or something. There had been some flashback to some black and white film from the past or something like that because it really did. The clacking was exactly like that just having failed probably to give you that experience I'm going to restart at exhibit A oh madam's going to be exhibit A no leave that I don't like the look of it good um it's the most beautiful day today it's a perfect summer's day a nice temperature just warm in the sun we're um at Durford having just come through the asparagus field and we've come out into the maize field that just looks at the downs that are striding away 
They looked very peculiar last week in the heat wave, quite like the sort of distant blue, slightly misty Pyrenees. But I'm very happy to say that they just have that slight mist of a hot summer's day, a hot British summer's day. That's, that's the clacking. Actually, that's the clacking and the chomping of a dog. Are you eating the new grass? I might make a sort of grass noise, which she hates, just to be annoying. Um, and more at exhibit B. Well, I'm standing by exhibit B, which I actually saw yesterday, but it was so blowy that I knew I wouldn't be able to record here. And where it is, is coming up from my favourite house with a great um, lake, well, lake pond, giant pond outside it with bulrushes coming. Um, you can walk up and you can now actually join it all up again like we used to because regular listeners will know that I actually sat in the branches of this huge fallen oak when it was Storm, Diogenes or Eustace or whatever it was, Diori. Um, I know it wasn't either of those names. And... Um, and it came down. So Rain and I are studying it now. And there are too many rings to count, even if I had my reading glasses. And it's just, it's beautiful blonde oak. I imagine, since they've taken away the entire trunk and just left a few of the very topmost thin branches, that um, they're managing to get sort of eight foot, maybe even ten foot planks out of it, which is very rare these days. And it's very unspoilt. But the sheer number of rings. What did you see, small one? What was going on? I just look out. Rain, what do you think? She thinks the beaker people were probably up on Butzer when this was a sapling. I think, yeah, it could be any time like that. But it's, let's sort of do a judge. I don't know. I'm going to have to use feet and inches because... Not, oh, Baba. Not because um, I don't like metric, because I do, but I can only measure on parts of the human body. It's about three feet across. I know that not with feet, but because of my fist to elbow. And I remember when I did a sculpture class first, we all made tiny little feet when we were doing our life model. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm talking about sculpture. I'm... And they all looked as if they were Chinese women with bound feet. And um, our brilliant Alex Beale, who's a marvellous sculptor herself, just looked at all of ours and said, have you any idea how big the human foot is? And we had to measure our feet against our arm. And lo and behold, it is exactly fist to elbow. Certainly for most people, it was for mine, which was a deep shock. I've wandered a long way away from this beautiful oak. But I bet that isn't the stupidest thing it's ever heard in its lifetime. They're probably close to it. But when you look at all those rings and think what we've gone through, does it help get everything into perspective? I'm not sure it does, because what we're living through is what we, we are living through and having to deal with. And, and actually, I'm finding it no comfort to look back and think, oh, well, everything came good, because I'm, I'm not absolutely certain that anything would were it not for the effort of decent people to do the right thing, whatever that may be. So um, I'm going to leave you with that gnomic thought and stride on 
um, in my usual fashion. So this, for me, is what walk, walks are all about. And certainly, as you know, wild walks always are a time for great thought. Certainly great thinking. Maybe great thoughts pushing it a bit. But anyway, it's so lovely. Look out for tickets for the walking festival. Peaceful walking festival. I think they must be going on sale... I've lost track now, but I think it must be this week. And I would love to say hello to any of you who fancy coming on a bit of a ramble with Rain and me. And we'd love to see you. Have a lovely week. Coming up, we speak to East Meon resident Rob McCatter about the history of the village and bring you our latest What's On guide full of events taking place in the Petersphere. First, let's meet comedian James Alderson, who, with his Stitches Comedy Club, will be coming to East Meon Village Hall this coming weekend. Hello, James. How are you? <laughs> I'm lovely, thank you. Lovely in the sunshine. It is, isn't it? Gorgeous. Gorgeous. So, tell us a little bit about Stitches Comedy Club. Well, uh, I've been a comedian now for about 12 years and slowly I've been starting more and more comedy clubs locally and um, I decided after chatting with a few of my comedy chums that what we really love, whilst it's lovely to do big theatres and like Leicester Square comedy clubs and all these sorts of different places, what really gets the great vibe going is local, small community comedy nights that people can really feel are their own and, and, and you know, take ownership of and feel it's their local communities comedy night so village halls social clubs community halls are often some of the best gigs that we do it's wonderful to look out and see a thousand people in a big theater but when you're looking and everybody knows everybody and there's a hundred people in in their own little bar and they've walked there it's just a great vibe and um so i decided about six months ago, to start them across the south, everywhere between sort of here, down to Hailing, across to the edge of Goring, Fishbourne. And um, it's, it's really taken off. And I think, coincidentally, with people not wanting to drive very far anymore, um, <laughs> because <laughs> it's about £150 to fill a mini-metro um, in the tank, not in the passenger. That's <laughs> mental. But um, it's, you know, it's just happened to fall perfectly, where we're now doing lots of little community wonderful comedy nights with top class comedians and people can walk there because you you have used the studio at tps a number of times as well haven't yeah you? yeah yeah and, and i think that that's that's they've certainly been great nights i even did my tour dates there so um it's great to um these are these are cyclists who have just turned up here who just are very early or a week early for the comedy night lads <laughs> um but yeah see village community perfect everybody yeah. in it together um but yeah we did tps and and that's a lovely little theater i actually did my tour show there um bring back the 80s a, a year or a couple of years ago and uh, that is great but probably not the sort of local village hamlet community vibe, you know. It's got some big. It's got a big venue in there. Oh, um, the festival uh, hall. Festival hall. That's yeah. it. And you know it, that draws a lot of people in. And we're trying to find little places, you know. Yeah. So places like Fishbourne and Hailing and uh, Liss and East Meal, Knoll Village. All these little places where people can't. There's enough local people who know each other to just you know, descend onto a nice little venue um, and really build up a nice a nice hub of comedy for them. 
So what started your comedy journey then, James? Oh, <laughs> um, well, uh, where do I begin? Well, I mean, that is, I won't go into all, all the ins and outs of it, but really it, I started just after the last recession, which seems quite topical at the moment. And um, so I decided that after the few years that I'd had, I had nothing to lose. And I just was watching a Lee Evans DVD, who I love, and with the wife, and I said, I'm going to try this. And this was back at the beginning of Google, so I Googled open mic comedy nights. There was nothing. I even considered turning up at any old open mic night, poetry, music, and just having a go. And I honestly searched for about three months before I found somewhere in Worthing, finally, in a pub, an open mic night. Did that, and then you get the bug. And I was in my mid-30s, so I didn't have what a lot of people have all these time when they're living with their parents aged 20, and they got all the time in the world without a mortgage or kids to just mess about I had to really get on with it and after about nine months I was pretty much doing it full-time earning a living and getting on with it and uh yeah with kids wanting feeding and a mortgage wanting paying and a wife wondering what the hell I was doing <laughs> prancing about on stage hoping that people laugh so yeah it, I got the bug you do you, you, you people say oh, how do you do it you I mean I, I say the same for people who are sat in an office I've got no idea looking back how I ever did that for 10 years yeah you've done something that i never had to do (laughs) I've worked in the bank for 28 years yeah um only started acting six years ago yeah love it and you think could I ever do it probably not but it's um you know and I'm 50 now it's probably not too late but let's try stand up no, not standing around. <laughs> he was going to recruit you. <laughs> You're on in the middle. Okay. Yeah. If well, I get any say, dropouts. I've always done it. Say the roles I've done has always been comedic roles. Yeah. Like the pantos and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I've got enough. I, I'm in awe of all stand-up comedians. <laughs> I really am. It's, it's the work. best job in the world if you get into it and and you get that buzz. You've been joined this Saturday night by a number of different comedians as well. Yeah, you? yeah. I'll be just holding the whole night together as best I can, and um, with just brilliant comedians because you know. Obviously, over the last 12 years, I've met some most comedians that exist um, really on the circuit and in, in this country. So, yeah, joined by th- just three absolutely brilliant comedians who I'm lucky enough to call my friends now. So it's, uh, it's, it's great. And that's why, you know, I can, can, can generate these new lineups for the different places we're doing comedy nights and fresh lineups every time and totally different, you know, ones for every night. It's going to be great. So your own show is called Bring Back the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you like the 80s so much? What do you remember most of all? Oh, what do I remember most of all? It was just simple. That's what I remember. It wasn't complicated. No part of childhood in the 80s was complicated. You either went out and played, or you stayed in and watched what your parents were watching, um, and maybe wait for 40 minutes for a cassette to load on your Commodore 64. You know, that's basically it. And you taught you patience, and it taught you sort of persistence, and just to exist and enjoy where you were that's what I remember you know you said please and thank yous and went out and made fun from nothing and so it was these days kids have got such complicated lives you know they would they think it's easy because everything is easy you click a button and something happens but it is so complicated they're bombarded with stuff and I just that's why I decided to write this show because watching my kids grow up you know compared to me growing I just it, so much of the 80s was complicated, you know, loading a computer game, it took forever, you know, trying to get in touch with someone if they weren't home, impossible, you know, it's, it, that was complicated, but really, when you break it down, 
it was such a basic black and white sort of world in many ways. Rewinding a cassette with your pen, so because you didn't want to waste all battery. that. Yeah, sellotape over the VHS to make sure no one recorded over it. I mean, it was all <laughs> such simple, basic stuff. And so I, I wrote that show and did a full run at the Edinburgh Festival. Did a tour of it just before COVID. Did some just after. Um, great fun. I'm writing the second one now. Um, bring back the 80s volume two, of course, because it has to have a volume two Very after it because so. it's 80s. Um, too much to talk about, really. But yeah, so I do touch on that a little bit when I'm doing my own stand-up sets in comedy clubs and when I'm hosting for people because funnily enough a lot of comedy clubs are frequented by people in the 30s to 50s um, who it you know it has some sort of resonance with. Yeah. Are there other tickets still available for this coming Saturday's event here? Uh, here in East Milan, yeah there are. Um, it, you probably know there's a, par- a village party on as well at the same night. I did wonder why the gap on the online booking form for East Beyond Village Hall was available um, on this date and now I know it clashes with the village party that they've not been able to do for three years but I'm absolutely chuffed that we've had so many tickets bought still um, so people um, are clearly um, wanting to laugh still and uh, I think there's about 30 tickets left um, so I would imagine they'll go seeing as we've got payday next week so yeah it's very exciting and, and we're all we've got a team obviously to come and set up and and look after everybody on the night um, not a bar we don't have a bar which is great you just bring your own booze so um, it's a real cheap night um, to <laughs> and I won't just talk about the 80s don't worry about it and there's our three brilliant comedians coming along so uh, who are all regularly well, you know regularly on the telly so it's a, it's a great it's a great night and how can people find out more information about Stitches and, and your comedy well I stumbled across a fantastic website name called Stitches.fun which is actually a website which is brilliant so that's it's easy to remember Stitches.fun and you click down drop down menu of your town and find it's me on and um, all the information about the comedians are there and what TV shows they've been on and their name and, and uh, you can obviously Google clips and stuff of them as well but don't do too much because you'll spoil some of the jokes for yourself <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant James thank you very much for joining us this morning No it's a pleasure Good luck with all and uh, yeah can't w- wait to watch your shows Thank you very much for having me Cheers The Peapod Events Guide What's on in the Petersphere? The Lighthouse Gospel Festival will take place from Friday the 1st of July until Sunday the 3rd at Penn's Place. With gospel music from live bands and church choirs presented in a festival-type music stage. There will be lots of family activities as the festival spreads the message of God's unconditional love. Stitches Comedy Club is coming to the East Meon Village Hall on Saturday the 2nd of July. With four hilarious acts, this new comedy night in the village has got laughter sewn up. Doors open at 7pm with the show from 8 until 10.15pm. And don't forget to bring your own booze. Tickets are £14 and can be purchased from stitches.fun. It's the Pizza Farmer's Market on Sunday the 3rd of July, taking place from 10am until 3pm in the square. Celebrate produce that is fresh, local and seasonal from Hampshire. And also taking place on Sunday the 3rd of July is the Petersfield Community Fair. Hosted at Churches College, this fair will bring together charities, community organisations, schools, clubs and societies from Petersfield. The event takes place from 10am until 4pm and is free. And if you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can listen to a new episode of Talking Books, recorded at One Tree Books on Lavent Street. This month, Susie Wilde and Tim O'Kelly have two guests joining them. Book club host Wendy Smith and author David Jarrett. 
You can listen to this episode of Talking Books and other programmes at shineradio.uk, bringing you also a brighter mix of great music, local news and information. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. In the 6th century AD, a people called the Mian from Denmark invaded central Hampshire. They settled and gave the river Mian its name. They also founded the village of East Mian. A farming village, East Mian is listed in the Doomsday Book in 1086, where the population was about 450. It's grown a little since then, and to tell us more about the fascinating history of this village, we're now joined by East Mian local Rob McCatter. Hello Rob, how are you? Good morning, I'm very well, thank you very much. I see you've, uh, you're on crutches? You yeah, I had a hip replacement five weeks ago, so I'm oh. recovering from that quite rapidly, very pleased to do Oh, that. that's good, that's good. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about yeah, East Mian. Let's go back to one of the things you just said. One of the starting points is there were definitely people here beforehand. We have some Roman remains in East Mian. We had a, a dig site at Old Down Farm excavated in the 1970s uh, of a quite an extensive Roman villa. We have a huge Roman villa at Strood that the Lizzie Archaeology Society is excavating every summer. We've had some quite substantial finds in the parish of East Mian. And the other thing to note is the Doomsday Book was talking about the parish, not the village. The parish of East Mian was enormous. So it went all the way over to the, the, um, sorry, sorry, the Sussex border. It included the tithing of Ambersham. So if you go from Hazemere down by the Lickfold Inn, that was part of East Mian. So when they talked about the East Mian in the Doomsday Book, it was an enormous area. It included large chunks of Petersfield. It went all the way out to the Sussex border. So it was a very big area. And East Mian as a parish was actually owned directly by the Bishop of Winchester. And it, the history of it goes back to about, uh, I forget the exact date, Alfred, Alfred left the, the parish of East Mian to his son directly in his will. And it then went back and forth, and basically it was owned by the Bishop of Winchester directly from about 1100, 1200 onwards. So it's had a very strong historic links with the, the Bishop of Winchester. Now, you're a member of the East Mion History Group. How long have you studied the village of East Mion? Uh, well, I've lived here... I'm a newcomer. I've only been here 23 years. <laughs> um, the history group was started by Michael Blackstead, I should think, probably around 20 years ago. And the first thing they did, they did... Um, they investigated the history of the houses. Michael owned a, lived in a house called the Tudor House, which was just the other, other end of the high street. So Michael's very interested in the history of his house, and he, he encouraged others to research their houses. The first thing the East Main History Group did was produce a brochure about historic houses of East Main, of which there was eight or nine. And it was fascinating. One is just behind us, the Forge Sandwich, just over here, is one of the oldest um, houses in the village. So that was the first thing the History Group did. And then on the back of that, they started organising a series of talks and lectures about local history, local issues, and there's probably been going for about 15 years. Uh, Michael uh, has moved out of the village, and they were looking for a replacement, and I sort of, I'd been involved in the committee for a few years, and so I sort of half volunteered, half got volunteered to take over a couple of years ago. Very active, we have about six lectures a year in the winter, from September to March, fantastic well attended. We often get 50, 60, 70 people come along to talks and we make them as local as we possibly can. And how has the village changed since you've been here? If you look at the East Mian in 2000 and East Mian today, you wouldn't, standing here, you wouldn't be able to tell there's any difference at all from that 20-year period. If you went slightly further back, there's been some new houses built on the green. Um, there's, there's been some incremental housing built in East Mere, but not a huge amount. Basically, the, the village here, you can see pictures from 
Um, the photographs in the early 20th century, you can see sketches from the late 19th century, you can see some information from the mid-19th century. This street here would have looked exactly the same if we'd been here 200 years ago. The, the mirror might have been slightly different, it wouldn't have been um, enclosed in slightly the same way, but the, the house, the bulk of this housing stock has been here for several hundred years, and quite a lot of it's been here for three or four hundred years. So the, the part of, this part of East Mirren hasn't changed much for a very long time. And one of the reasons why in uh, 1986 Hampshire chose East Mirren as their doomsday village was because it hadn't changed. The layout of, of the village of East Mirren was almost exactly the same in 1986 as it had been in 1086. And, and therefore that's why the models done of the village of East Mere, that, that model now is in the Bayer um, Tapestry Museum, it's actually upstairs in, in Bayer in France, and there's some fantastic uh, pictures of that model in the, the books that the East Mere History Group has produced. Um, and it's well worth, if you're going in Bayer, it's worth going out and not just looking at tapestry, but going upstairs and looking at the village of East Mere, the model that was done for the 900th anniversary. Now, there was also a workhouse in this village as well. There's Workhouse Lane, obviously, yes. telling the story there. Do you so know much about that? I can. There's whole, all, most villages had workhouses till about, and I forget the exact day when the poor law came in, let's say it's 1830 plus or minus five years either way. At that stage, all the parish um, workhouses were combined into a union workhouse. So all the, 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 the residents of, of, of that workhouse would be moved into Peacefield. So Peacefield had a union workhouse, the footprint of which is still there, it's just off Tor Way. So that would have been a union of about, uh, from memory, about eight or nine different parishes, including, I think, from memory, Rogate was one, so some in West Sussex, some around here, including Liss. So all that, um, uh, those body of workhouses were combined, so that the East Mian workhouse we don't know exactly where it was, but clearly it was in Workhouse Lane. And interestingly, in the first census in 1851, the man who lived three houses long from here, um, uh, in one of the two big houses uh, called Glenthorne, he was the doctor who looked after the workhouse in Petersfield, and he was a Quaker. And uh, unfortunately, the, the records for the Petersfield workhouse are sort of lost. In other words, the members of Petersfield Society can't find them, they can't find the National Archives, so we've looked for them. But the implications when you look at the censuses for Peacefield are the workhouse, when the census was done, was never full. And therefore the implication is that maybe it's the fact you had a Quaker who was the doctor, the fact that you would, when you looked at the people in there, they were typically uh, mothers with their children, some people who were um, blind, some people who were elderly. It doesn't look to be at the extreme end of the 19th century workhouses. I'm speculating, but it looked, the evidence we've got suggests that the peaceful union workhouse of which these men would have fed into wouldn't have been quite as extreme as the, the worst cases. And many of the workhouses in the 19th century England were, were appalling. It does suggest that the peaceful might not have been quite that bad. So what's the most fascinating bit of history that you found out about East Mion? It, one of the, if you ask historians that question... Most historians are going to think about what's my period and they're going to focus on what they're interested in. Um, and uh, typically, if you ask uh, most people who've studied history, I ask them a question, it, the typical answer is, oh, not my period, I don't know. So, <laughs> the, the, so the answer to your question is, I'm, I'm very interested in um, the records of Eastman. So the records of either the church records or the records we started having censuses in 1851. I've done a lot of work on trying to integrate those too. So I think when you, when you start looking at the movement of villages, how 
the, the population of East Mian was very um, sedentary. The number of people born in the village, who stayed in the village, who were there from 1841 census, 51 census, 60, huge numbers of people didn't move. It was a very static population. And that was true for the farm workers, it was true for the people who ran the shops, it was true for the artisans, it was true for the landowners. It was a, a, a permanent population that didn't move much. And if they moved, they might have moved from Foxfield, they might have moved from Clanfield. They wouldn't have gone very far. So that's one of the things I found it fascinating about East Mian is the fact that it was a very set community where most people would have known each other and if you look if you look along the houses along here these all would have been tradesmen shops and the the, the Wilwright's cottage which is just behind us the Wilwright in the mid-19th century was a man called Smith who was also the section of the church and if you look at the church records he was the section for church for about 60 years so every single marriage every single christening he signs because he's the man who has to sign the register. So it's that sort of continuity of East Mian. I've always, I find that fascinating. Are there any books about East Mian? I hate to say it, there are a very large number of books about East Mian. Thank you for that question. Um, one of the residents of East Mian was a um, peaceful lawyer called Freddie Stanfield, who in 1986 published a history of East Mian, which was taking about three years to research and write. And it was then reprinted about uh, 2004, 2005. And it's a fantastic local history done by a local enthusiast and a huge amount of work on it. So Freddie Stanfield's book was published twice. The East Main History Group, we published a book called Farming the Valley three years ago, which is credited to the East Main History Group. And, and it was written by several people. But realistically, Michael Blackstead wrote about 90% of it. So a huge amount of work. It's got fantastic pictures. It's available for One Tree Books. So go into One Tree Books and ask um, Tim for a copy. It's a, it's a really, really... It's something we're incredibly proud of. We got a lot of grants to help fund it. Huge amount of work went into it. The, the maps, uh, which I, most of which I, I was very involved in creating, are very fascinating about the way Eastman changes over the years so that they're very um, worth looking at those those two books and you can certainly get the modern one the other thing we publish and you get copies of them, I'm going to leave some of them in, in the pub is guides to the historic houses of Eastman which was the first publication of the history group and also we published or we not we the people of Eastman have published two different books about walks from Eastman so it was initially a short walk from Eastman and then longer walks in East Mian, obviously, and obviously it's follow-up, done by local residents. So those, again, are, are available. The shop still has some copies of both those two. So there's lots of ways of finding out in written form about the history of East Mian. It's been fascinating. Well, thank you very thank much you. for Thanks, telling Rob. us more about it. And so we come to the end of this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Nicola and David Lucas, James Alderson, Rob McCatter, John Walker and Susie Wilde, as well as to the comedic volunteers at Shine Radio who support the show and help to put it together. This week's music comes from local artist Wheeler and a song called No Picks. So from Joff and I this week, bye! It's changed and every day is the same I've tried but I can't help it I feel trapped in my own mind I feel like it's too I've tried to stay alive But I feel dead inside And you can't stop the actions that I speak People think they know me, but damn, they don't, they, they try, but they... 
the grass with the snakes and they're still hissing I'm with the drillers and the trappers, they are all listening All of my guys and girls, we are all villains I got a lot on my mind and a lot's missing And I got dreams you cannot see I'm thinking of a future that is not bleak I've changed so much from my past Now I really am not me I've got a devil on my shoulder, temptation is a lot G Yeah, I've got some bad habits Heavy baggage, my lifestyle's lavish Waste so much money for a bad chick And I made a few mistakes at my saddest Been down in the dumps like a raggis But riches are soon to come I'm gonna blow up like a balloon on helium There are things I need to change that I've already done So many things I've been through I feel like I've already won I'm not a cold-hearted killer But I'm still stepping with my drillers Used to hit shots just to eat dinner Now I've got a Miri Tops and Balenciaga kickers And I've got me a degree You can really see a difference Making satin out of nothing like a peanut into Snickers I like the way you dress but I want to see your knickers Making memories, we don't need to take no pictures We don't need to take no pictures No, no, no pictures No, no They say that the truth hurts I wish I would've never knew her She turned my heart to a stone, she's Medusa But do I wanna lose her, lose her? I just wanna do what I think, say what I want And you know I'm on smoke like a zoo or a bomb You know I can't use your own name in my song You know what's right and what's wrong When it comes to being so long Slow replies, late nights, I can't wait around I'm a plane that's in flight, you can't take me down To the underworld, guess that I'm Hades now And you ask me how I'm doing, and I say okay But ain't that what we all say I am gonna do it in my own way Never gonna stop, you cannot fool me I have got a dream like Luther told me Gotta change my ways, I'm not the old me Gotta build a life like mama told me Do it on my ones, but I'm not lonely I'm not lonely Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, I hope you're well. Do you know what day it is, guys? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. We're back in the groove, aren't we, with Rise and Shine this we week? We are. Yeah, Hit the ground running. Rise and Shine. We are doing Petersfield Parenting, about life as a family in Petersfield. JC Creasy. Yes, good morning, Alan, to you and to all your listeners. Rise and Shine, my friends. Rise and Shine. Petersfield people will know this story. You can catch Rise and Shine every weekday morning. Rise and shine. Every day has something happening. Petersfield Shine Radio.